Hello and welcome to Tome Raiders, the podcast where we take folklore, mythology and any piece of literature in the, in the public domain and sit it down in an interrogation room. Put it under incredible scrutiny. Play good cop, bad cop <laughs> and eventually make an incredibly popular JCS criminal psychology video out of it. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a niche reference. <laughs> a niche reference. Um, I'm Ross and... Uh, I'm Laura. And she's Laura and um, we are... Uh, in a couple of charming nerds who of, yeah. like reading niche articles about things that we find interesting. Absolutely. <laughs> and the thing that we found interesting today um, was the um, the kind of the first and kind of most, I don't know, what is, it mostly recognised as like one of the first um, tales of King Arthur. But rather than being uh, by our good man, Jeff, Jeff of Monmouth, Geoffrey of Monmouth, this one is actually uh, from a little bit, uh, a little bit older. Um, so this one is from the year 1050 to 1100, we think. And um, the complete version of the tale is found in the Red Book of Hergist um, and the fragmented one in the White Book of Rydach. And they're going to be... Can you pronounce that again, babe? Rydach. Rydach. <laughs> and there's going to be lots more of that because it's Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the tale is called Kilhuch and Olwen. And um, you'll find, as we go through it, that it is just unlike any King Arthur tale you've heard. Ross has read this before. I have not read this before. Yeah. I don't know what to expect. So we're going on a journey of discovery together, good listener. This is, I'm telling you, <laughs> take everything you've ever heard about King Arthur. Yeah. Put it to one side. Okay. This is, this is going to go places. <laughs> are, you, are you ready for this? I'm ready. I was born okay. ready. All right. Okay. Um, so there, we'll start from the top. Um, and also I've taken this text and I've cut lots of bits out for brevity. Because, and you'll see why. You'll see why later on why I've done this. Okay. Um, um, so the, the, the protagonist of our tale is Kilhuch, who um, well, we're about to be introduced to him okay. in one paragraph's time. Kilhuch the son of Prince Kelivan, desired a wife as a helpmate. And the wife that he chose... As a what? As a helpmate. Helpmate? <laughs> helpmate. We're one sentence one in, sentence folks, in. and we're, I'm already confused. <laughs> and, the, and the wife he chose was Goliath. What? <laughs> that was that's a really difficult word to pronounce. Oh, my goodness. Um, when you see how it's spelt, you'll see... Have a look. How is it spelled? Oh, you tell us. You, you tell the listener how it's spelled. G oh god, G O L E U D D Y D D. Yeah, Goliath, obviously. <laughs> the daughter of prince and lord, and or lord. Sorry, double D in Welsh is a the. And after their union, the people put up prayers. Pause for giggles. <laughs> double D. Uh, that they might have an heir, and they had a son through the prayers of the people. Really? Yes. That's how Absolutely. it happened. Absolutely. That's not the most fantastical thing in this tale, I'm sorry to tell you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> From the time of her pregnancy, Goliath became wild and wandered about without habitation. Without what? Without habitation. But when her delivery was at hand, her reason came back to her. Then she went to a mountain where there was a swine herd keeping a herd of swine. And through fear of the swine, the queen was delivered. What? She freaked out, she saw some pigs, and she had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and the swineherd took the boy and brought him to the palace, and he was christened, and they named him Kilhuch, because he had been found in the swine's burrow. Huch, by the way, is Welsh for pigsty. Okay. Nevertheless, the boy was of gentle lineage and cousin unto Arthur, 
and they put him out to nurse. Okay, so is the fact that he was born in a pigsty relevant in any way to this story? No, just his name. It's only relevant to his name. That's why he's called Kill Her. Okay. The Welsh would have heard this and gone, Kill Her, that's a funny name. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so a little truncation here to keep the story moving. Kilith remarries um, after um, Goliath dies. How um, did she die? I can't remember. Okay, fine. Sorry. Anyway, um, but keeps the knowledge of Kilhuch from his new wife. Right. Because he's kind of a little bit ashamed of Kilhuch being born in a pigsty and all that. But she finds out about Kilhuch and wants Kilhuch to marry her daughter. This is Kilhuch's step- stepmother. Uh, so are they... So they would be... Not so blood... Half-siblings? Half-siblings. Half-siblings. I'm going to... I'm, I'm please for all that is good in the world that them not be blood relatives but anyway <laughs> it's in the 11th century who knows who knows probably actually before you anyway um, so anyway Kilhuth refuses so she curses him as you do okay um, um, back into the narrative then she said unto him I declare to thee that it is thy destiny not to be suited with a wife until thou obtain Olwen the daughter of Isbethad and Kenkau- Penkawa Say Maybe that so. again, but more. Say that again, but audibly. <laughs> I, <laughs> my destiny is not to be suited with a wife until thou obtain Olwen, the daughter of Isbethad and Penkawa. Okay. Isbethad and Penkawa. Because they've just picked some nice, easy no. names like yep. Jeff. So Penkawa is or is Welsh for head giant. <laughs> um, so basically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, this uh, Kilgur's stepmother has basically been like um, since you're not going to marry my daughter you can only marry Olwen who is the daughter of this giant I kind of think she shot herself in the foot there but anyway uh, especially... that's a really terrible curse like mm-hmm. it's a terrible curse um, I if mean... I was going to curse someone <laughs> <laughs> how would you curse <laughs> I would be less specific less specific I would say if you won't marry my daughter, then you're not getting married to no one. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> As you see, this really did backfire. Okay. And the youth blushed, and the love of the maiden diffused itself through all his frame, though he had never seen her. Oh, right. So it was like a love potion curse. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Does the girl in question, you know, daughter of giant head... Does she know about this? Oh, it, we're, we're only halfway through page one. There's like 20 pages. <laughs> oh, good God. We'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> His father inquired of him, What has come over thee, my son? What aileth thee? My stepmother has declared to me that I shall never have a wife until I obtain Olwen, the daughter of Isbethad and Kapenkawa. That will be easy for thee, answered his father. <laughs> Arthur is thy cousin. Go, therefore, unto Arthur to cut thy hair and ask this of him as a boon. What? Yeah, I know. Just there's lots of context here. Which I cut your hair loads during lockdown. You did. <laughs> I cut my own hair during lockdown. You did cut your hair during lockdown, it, and you did a pretty good job of it, it until was... the well, the hairdresser did go. Reader, like... it was terrible. <laughs> it was not that. Well, it was. I thought it was great. Anyway, <laughs> not reader, listener, listener. Well. They're readers with us, aren't they? Um, anyway, it now describes a bit of um, how awesome Kilhook looks as he goes off to find Arthur, and the youth. Pricked forth upon a steed, with head dappled grey of four winters old, firm of limb with shell-formed hooves. What? Are we talking about the man now or a horse? The horse. Okay. (laughs) 
I'm gonna I'm gonna institute a new drinking game, which is that every time Laura goes, what? <laughs> you gotta take a drink, okay? Um, anyway, in the youth's hand are two spears of silver, sharp, well-tempered, headed with steel. Uh, you know, it goes on, it goes on. Um, anyway, eventually, uh, <laughs> hold on. And the blade of grass bent not beneath him, so light was his course's tread as he journeyed towards the gate of Arthur's palace. Okay, great. So they're now like defying the laws of gravity. Absolutely, he's like an elf, an elf horse. I see. Okay, so they arrived at. He arrives at the castle, um, and he just says, just out, just to to thin air. Apparently, is there a porter? <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> Where is the concierge? <laughs> bing, 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 bing. <laughs> anyway, the porter replies, "There is, and if thou holdest not thy peace, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. There is. <laughs> Throw some glitter. Small will be thy welcome. I am Arthur's porter every first day of January." He refers to the other four porters after this. Anyway, Kilhook says, "Open the portal." I will not open it. <laughs> wherefore not? As a little reminder, wherefore in old literature means why. So why not? <laughs> the clear answer coming up. The knife is in the meat, the drink is in the horn, and there is revelry in Arthur's hall, and none may enter therein but the son of a king of a privileged country, or a craftsman bringing his craft. Well. And the porter makes a pretty good offer of like, you know, like you can't come in, but like, you know, you, you can stay out here you know, we're gonna, we'll, we'll take care of you. It's all good. Said the youth, that will not do. If thou openest the gate, it is well. If thou dost not open it, I will bring disgrace upon my lord and evil report upon thee. Wow. And I will set up three shouts at this very gate than which none were ever more deadly from the top of Pengwaid in Cornwall to the bottom of Dinsol in the north to Edgar Oval in Ireland. And all the women in this palace that are pregnant shall lose their offspring. What? <laughs> Drink. <laughs> wow he has no chill and such as are not pregnant I've their hearts shall be turned by illness so that they shall never bear children from this day forward my god and the, dude the porter agrees. we've all been told we can't get in the club <laughs> we don't <laughs> we don't all curse every pregnant maiden in the land yeah <laughs> what are pregnant maidens doing in the club to be fair you know they should be hang on let's not cast aspersions as long as they're drinking you know not you know, drinking tea. That noise that you hear, folks, is the cat uh, deciding that now is the time to jump all over some yeah. crunchy cardboard. The third host of this podcast. <laughs> all right, I'm going to have to make a, get a wriggle on, otherwise uh, uh, this is going to... Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he goes into Arthur's hall. Arthur um, cuts his hair. Um, Kay, Sir Kay of Arthurian flame. So there are some of the old character, old classic Arthur characters in here, but in their sort of like older Welsh forms. Um, uh, that is true, said Arthur. Thou art my cousin. Whatsoever boon thou mayest ask, thou shalt receive. Wait. So he got into the... Yeah, he got in. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he got in. And uh, uh, I mean, he, it basically... The reason he got in is because Arthur was just like, this guy sounds like a stand-up fellow. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let him in. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Arthur says, just just name it, basically. And uh, and this is this is the first of the many digressions of this tale, which is, I mean, it's already digressed, but this is a real <laughs> digression. Right. Um, because um, Kilhuch 
has a very specific thing in mind. He says, I crave of thee then that thou obtain for me Olwen, the daughter of Isbethad and Penkar. And this boon I likewise seek at the hands of thy warriors. I seek it from Kay and Bedwyr and Greydol Galdonid and Grithia the son of Greydol and Greyd the son of Eri and Kinthelic Kivarvith. It continues. For, I, honestly, not joking, if I were to read all these names out in one go, it would take me 10 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's like a roll call. Absolutely. But I'm going to pick out a few of my favourites. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> just wait for these. Okay. The sons of Gwadha Kivach, brackets, these men came forth from the confines of hell. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, and in the chief of the bards, bring the bard along. I mean, of course. Um, uh, again. And Morvran, the son of Tegid, no one struck him in the Battle of Camlan by reason of his ugliness. <laughs> All thought he was an auxiliary devil. <laughs> oh my God. Hair had he upon him, the like of hair on, on a stag. Wow. And Sand Brid Angel, no one touched him with the spear at the Battle of Camlan because of his beauty. Wow. I know, they're basically like... Uh, and. All thought he was a ministering angel, it says. So oh, it's like, yeah, apparently I see. they're a devil and an angel. Well, both present. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's another one. Gwolgoich, another, when he came to a town. Gwolgoich. <laughs> when he came to a town, though there were 300 houses in it, if he wanted anything, he would not let sleep come to the eyes of anyone whilst he remained there. Basically, yeah. he sounds like a complete arsehole. He sounds like a dick. Yeah. Uh, Sugin, the son of Sugnedith. Who would suck up the sea on which were 300 ships so as to leave nothing but a dry strand. He was broad-chested. <laughs> <laughs> One more. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and Gwevil, the son of Gwested, on the day he was sad, he would let one of his lips drop below his waist while he turned upon the other like a cap upon his head. What? <laughs> Drink. <laughs> oh my God. And Same. all these... <laughs> Did Kilchuk, the son of Kilith, abjure to obtain his boon? Then said Arthur, Oh, chieftain, I have never heard of the maiden of whom... I'd like, I like to imagine that Arthur's just sitting there as Kilchuk, like, names these people for ten minutes. <laughs> Arthur's like, Oh, I've never heard of the maiden <laughs> of whom thou speakest, nor of her kindred. But I will gladly send messengers in search of her. I'd like to imagine that... Is it Kilchuk? Kilchuk. I like to imagine that he literally stands before Arthur... And does this roll call out loud? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that is cl- clearly implied. It's all in speech marks. And Ar- Oh, my God. <laughs> and Arthur's just like, but I don't know this girl. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know her. <laughs> um, so Arthur goes and uh, sends out his warriors to try and find tale of where the girl is. Um, and it takes the whole year and eventually kill her. It's like, everyone has received his boon. And I yet that mine... I will depart and bear away thy honour with me. Oh my God. And then said Kay, Rash chieftain, do us, I'll reproach Arthur. Go with us and we will not part until thou dost either confess that the maiden exists not in the world or until we obtain her. It's like the original incel. Yeah, basically. Thereupon Kay rose up. <laughs> Kay had this peculiarity that his breath lasted nine nights and nine days underwater. Huh? And he could exist nine nights and nine days without sleep. What? <laughs> Drink. A wound from Kay's sword no physician could heal. Very subtle was Kay. I, I like that. Very subtle was Kay. She literally just says that. <laughs> just, 
<laughs> very, very subtle. Oh, goodness. Um, uh, and he's a very subtle man. Uh, when it pleased him, he could render himself as tall as the highest tree in the forest. What I like about these tales, just off completely to one side of mm-hmm. what is currently happening, is that this was presented as an oral history. Oh, yeah. People, I don't know, did, did anybody ever really believe this? I think that the, I think that they probably believed that these people existed. I don't, I, I think the, the nature of the tale, it's so He could make himself as tall as a tree whenever he wanted. I think it's, oh, I don't know, I feel like this is kind he of hold like... Hold his lip above his head like a cap. I think it's kind of hyperbole, isn't it? Mm. I think I think it's deliberately kind of like extreme. I don't think they actually. I don't think they believed it. I don't know. I mean, I f- we 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 try and compare ourselves to these people from so long ago, and mm. you know, did they did they were they actually that different to us? Probably, they probably also thought that these stories were absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I think. I mean, to be honest, if you read this, it's impossible not to think this is kind of bit silly yeah and i think they probably thought it was a bit silly as well anyway um sorry <laughs> no 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 uh, um they they basically there are a few of them who gathered together um who sound like the classic kind of D party um <laughs> you've got um uh well you've got Kay, who's like the fighter you got um bedivere or bedwear um who is basically like the fighter's quote best friend unquote oh i see well that's that's how what that's how what i read into it i see um and um go here um who is very good with languages and uh menu uh menu i don't know it's, it's, it, the, the word ends with a w i don't know <laughs> how's it spelled m-e-n-w <laughs> m-e-n-w yeah and he's basically a wizard if there's any welsh speakers listening how do you pronounce that please yeah Anyway, that's part one of three. What? Um, I, I, I'm really going to try and try and uh, speed up from here because this is, uh, we need to get into the meat of this tale. Oh my! We haven't gotten to the meat yet. Well, so far I've got Killhook has just got Arthur and his knights to come and help him to find Alwyn, um, and it doesn't take them long. They journeyed until they came to a vast open plain, wherein they saw a great castle which was the fairest of the castles of the world. And they journeyed that day until the evening. And when they thought they were nigh to the castle, they were no nearer to it than they had been in the morning. And the second and the third day they journeyed, and even then scarcely could they reach so far. And when they came before the castle, they beheld a vast flock of sheep, which was boundless and without an end. What? Drink. (laughs) I'm going to stop saying it. (laughs) 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 Um, and upon the top of a mound there was a herdsman keeping the sheep and a rug made of skins was upon him and by his side was a shaggy mastiff larger than a steed nine winters old never had he lost even a lamb from his flock much less a large sheep well Um, that's not an analogy for jesus i don't know what is well it's i mean it's right there you know this is the christ figure the Mastiff. The, the, the Mastiff, <laughs> exactly. Okay. <laughs> then said Kay, go here, go thou and salute yonder man. Kay, said he, said he, I engage not to go further than thou thyself. Uh, I us... won't go unless you're going. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Let us go together then. Aww. Then said Menu, fear not to go thither, for I will cast a spell upon the dog 
that he shall injure no one. They really are a D and D party, aren't yeah, they? They really are. Absolutely. They went up on the mounds where on the herdsman was, and they doesn't said even to him, have to roll for initiative. No, not yet. That comes later. Oh, I see. How dost thou fare, O herdsman? No less fairer be it to you than oh to me. Oh my god! Truly, art thou the chief? I really wish you would give me some notice before you break into the, <laughs> the funny accent. There is no hurt to injury but, but my own. <laughs> Whose are the sheep that thou dost keep? And to whom does yonder castle belong? Stupid are ye truly. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Through the whole world is it known that this is the castle of Isbeth Adam Pencower. Apparently not known to Arthur, <laughs> who had no idea where this was. Anyway, and who art thou? I am called Gustenin the... Uh, sorry, accent. I am called Gustenin the son of Defnedig, and my brother is... is without, I'm is, very impressed by your tongue acrobatics. <laughs> it's... That's what she said. Is Bethad and Pencower oppressed me because of my <laughs> possessions? And ye also, who are ye? We are an embassy from Arthur, come to seek Olwen, the daughter of Isbethad and Pencower. Oh, men, the mercy of heaven be upon ye. Oh, God. Do not that for all the world. Oh, my God. None who ever came hither on this quest has returned alive. Oh, my God. And the herdsman rose up. And as he arose, Hilhuk gave unto him a ring of gold. Um... Now, Costenin takes. Uh, this is. A, I'm going to uh, truncate this bit. Costenin takes the ring home to his wife, uh, and makes up a really stupid story about finding it on the body of a man who washed up from the sea, and basically is instantly rumbled. It's like, I why don't see he why. He, why I don't. I don't know why he would lie. Maybe he doesn't want. Maybe he's like, oh, I don't want this. I don't want her to worry about this guy who's going to die. <laughs> Fair. Um. Anyway, they go and uh, hang out with. Uh, Kustenin and go to um, his dwelling um, and Kustenin's wife comes out sees Kay and Kay <laughs> when she met them she thought she <laughs> she sought to throw her arms about her necks what? and Kay placed a log between her two hands and she squeezed it so that it became a twisted coil what? oh woman said Kay if thou had squeezed me thus none could ever again have set their affections on me evil love were this what? Yeah. So you're gonna have to explain that. <laughs> so basically, she is also apparently very strong. She's very strong and also completely enraptured with Kay. No, she just wanted to meet them and say hi. And so she came to give him a hug. Came to give him and a would hug. Would have snapped him like a twig. Snapped him like a twig. Yeah. Mm. That sounds like a him problem. It does sound like a him problem. Yeah, he needs to hit the gym. <laughs> Anyway, they talk about Olwen, and uh, uh, Kilhook asks, Will she come here if she is sent to? Heaven knows that I will not destroy my soul, nor will I betray those that trust me, unless you will pledge me your faith that you will not harm her, her I will not send to her. We pledge it, said they. So a message was sent, and she came. So Olwen comes down to meet them. Oh, the okay. Ma- yeah? Well, that was good of her, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's a very pretty description of her. Okay. The maiden was clothed in a robe of flame-coloured silk, and about her neck was a collar of ruddy gold, on which were precious emeralds and rubies. Hmm. More yellow was her head than the flower of the broom, and her skin was whiter than the foam of the wave. And fairer were her hands and her fingers than the blossoms of the wood anemone. Anemone. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway. She entered the house and sat behind Kilhook upon the foremost bench. 
And as soon as he saw her, he knew her. And Kilhuk said unto her, Ah, maiden, thou art she whom I have loved. Come away with me, lest they speak evil of thee and of me. Many a day have I loved thee. I cannot do this, for I have pledged my faith to my father not to go without his counsel. Also, I don't know you. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah, I, I think she should really be asking different questions. Yeah. Um, although, I mean, his... his uh, his fa- Her father's clearly not a nice guy. I can imagine that she would want to get out of there, but probably wants to know that he, she's not just running out of the frying pan into the fire. But... Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Doesn't mention it. Okay. We'll see. Anyway. Um, so she returns, and uh, the party, as I'm, I'm calling them a party now, because they are just basically a D&D party, <laughs> um, went, go, go into the castle, and, um, and it's noted that they slew nine porters at the nine gates in silence. And then slew the in nine... silence. In silence, yeah, completely. Well, what? hang on, they they slaughtered. Yeah. Why? Why? To get in, I guess. Why didn't they just ask? Well, what I find interesting is that they slew nine nine porters at nine gates, which implies that they <laughs> slew one porter at the first gate. Thought we better do a proper job. <laughs> <laughs> Went all the way around. <laughs> Went all the way around. <laughs> also, then... <laughs> if they're with Arwen, surely she could just be like, "Yo." Can me and my friends come in? Yeah. Seems well, no, like no, she, she went back. Shit. She went back. She went back, but then, like, they, the porters wouldn't have allowed them through the gate, right? With the Olwen. Why? The, oh, 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 I don't know. I'm always <laughs> asking the irritating questions. You might be interrogating. The, I mean, there's a lot that doesn't make sense in this story. I'm willing to suspend or, my my or, suspend my reality. Also, I've, I've assumed that the nine gates are in parallel rather than in series as well. So maybe they were like nine gates sequentially. Who knows? Gosh. Uh, nine watchdogs who didn't bark. Um, anyway, they went into Isbethad and Penkower's hall. Um, we come to ask thy daughter Olwyn for Kilhuk, the son of Kilith the son of Prince Kelladan. <laughs> and then Isbethan and Penkower speaks. Where are my pages and my servants? What, that you just ignored them? Apparently. Raise up the forks beneath my two eyebrows, which have fallen over my eyes. What? So that I may <laughs> see the fashion of my son-in-law. And they did so. Oh, wow. Come hither tomorrow and you shall have an answer. They wrote... The forks under my eyebrows. Yeah. They rose to go forth, and Isbethad and Penkower seized one of the three poisoned darts that lay beside him, and threw it after them. And Bedwyr caught it, then flung it, and pierced Isbethad and Penkower grievously with it through the knee. Oh, gosh. Then he said... There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. So... Bedwyr Bedwyr is clearly... He's he's clearly a monk class, because he's got... (laughs) Deflect missiles ability. But why did he... He was like, yeah, come back tomorrow and I'll give you an answer. And then as they're leaving, he chucks a poison dart at them. Maybe he wanted them to turn around so he could throw the dart without them noticing. There's so much Trixie. to unpack here, but we don't have time. Anyway, he, he, he complains about the poison dart. A cursed, ungentle son-in-law, truly. Also note that he's calling Kilhook son-in-law already, sort of like dismissively. And also... Did he not chuck the dart at the son-in-law? No, no. Yes, he did. Well, no, he chucked it at the party, and but Bedwyr caught it. Anyway, he's not actually... He's not saying Kilhook is his son-in-law. He's saying 
He's joke. He's kind of like it's dismissive. He's like, "You're my son-in-law, lol." <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, uh, Bedway catches it, flings it back at Isbeth and Penkower, and he says, "A cursed." This is Isbeth and a cursed, ungentle son-in-law. Truly, I shall ever walk the worse for his rudeness, and shall ever be without a cure. This poisoned iron pains me like the bite of a gadfly. Maybe you shouldn't have started throwing it around. This then happens. Exactly the same. Two more times. <laughs> and I enjoyed the third time. It's, it's very good. It's without and God says to them, shoot not at me again unless you desire death. <laughs> Anyway, Isbethan and Penkow take the third dart, cast it at them. This time, Killhook catches it, throws it vigorously, and wounds him through the eyeball. So oh my the, god! So the dart came out the back of his head. Oh my god! But weren't his eyebrows in the way? <laughs> Apparently, Apparently not. No, no, they've been lifted by the forks. <laughs> A cursed, ungentle son in law, truly. As long as I remain alive, my eyesight shall, will be the worse. But I mean, if you've had a poison arrow through the eyeball, yeah. one would assume. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so the fourth day, he says, Shoot not at us any more, unless thou desirest such hurt and harm and torture as thou now hast, and even more. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, um... Killhook saying Kill this. saying that, yeah. And also, give me your wife, give me your, give me your yeah, daughter. Yeah, exactly, the next line, give me thy daughter. Oh my God. And if thou wilt not give her, thou shalt receive thy death because of her. Anyway. I'd like um, to think that if anyone ever said to my dad, like, give me your daughter... He would raise seven hells. He would throw three poison darts. More than three. Yeah. If I'm worth, if and I'm he, not worth more than three poison darts, then we might, we're, we're having words. And he has a dartboard as well. He does have a dartboard. <laughs> in, a the dart in the middle of the living room. Middle of the living room. Anyway, so so, uh, and Penkower, um, comes up with this elaborate scheme. And he basically is like, okay, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, yeah, sure. <laughs> Except you're going to have to go do these impossible tasks. Oh, my but God. All these, so it's basically a bit of... Uh, it's a labours of, labor of Hercules, Hercules kind of yeah. These, all these things are things that could be contrived as, like, things that are for the wedding. Um, uh, so it's like, you know, you can't possibly have a wedding until you've done all these things. <laughs> and this wedding is going to be... I'm telling you, I'm telling you this, isn't, this isn't some marquee, you know... Uh, like you know, hired a DJ, um, <laughs> hay bales, and and um, and Hessian bags. This is a whose wedding are you throwing shade at? <laughs> Just all the weddings I've ever been to. <laughs> okay, I love I love all my friends and all their weddings have been lovely. Just to clarify. Um, anyway, so remember I said earlier there are two moments where it was where the, it gets on a bit of a rambly. Kind of solid chunk. This is the second moment. This is only the second. This is the, this is the second of these two moments okay. where where the narrative goes long winded, okay. and so I'm going to cut this this bit short as well. But anyway, this so this is the this is how this next bit goes. Um. So Isbeth Adam Penkower says, "Seest thou yonder vast hill? I see it. I require that it be rooted up." And that the grubbings be burned for manure on the face of the land, and that it be ploughed and sown in one day, and in one day that the grain ripen. And of that wheat I intend to make food and liquor fit for the wedding of Lee and my daughter. And all this I require done in one day. <laughs> Seems. Kilhook replies, It will be easy for me to compass this, although thou mayest think that it will not be easy. 
How so? Just because he's badass, apparently. I'm like, is there some kind of weird lateral thinking going on here? He's going to do it in a way that you're not expecting. No, it's not that clever. Okay. (laughs) 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 It's basically just trying to prove that he's he's badass. Anyway, (laughs) so that that couplet of like, do this thing, it will be easy for me to accomplish this. That repeats for... I'm not joking, 15 minutes. Wow. Um, so it continues. Though this be easy for Lee, there is yet which will not be so. No husbandman can till or prepare this land, so wild is it, except Amiathon the son of Don. And he will not come with thee by his own free will, and thou wilt not be able to compel him. It will be easy for me to compass this, although thou mayest think that it will not be easy. <laughs> continues. Um, thou mayest think that it will not be easy. Yeah, <laughs> thou mayest think <laughs> that it may not, that it will not be easy. Um, I'm gonna, I'm focusing on a few of these because basically there's like a long list. Mm-hmm. Only a few of them get done. And I'm gonna point to the ones that get done. Okay. Though thou get this, there is yet which that which thou wilt not get. Throughout the world, there is not a comb or scissors with which I can arrange my hair. On account of its rankness. <laughs> Except the comb and scissors that are between the two ears of Talk Truth, the son of Prince Tarad. He will not give them of his own free will, and thou wilt not be able to compel him. Talk Truth, by the way. A boar. What? A wild boar. Um, uh, and they why, have to get why a... does the wild boar have a comb? Just, it, I have so many questions. And you won't find answers. <laughs> anyway, they have to find a hunting dog and get the collar, the leash, the chain, and then get Mabon, son of Modron, who is the only person who can control oh the dog, goodness. and sort of Gurnuk the giants. And oh, anyway, um, it all ends with Go forward, and thou shalt not be chargeable for food or raiment for my daughter while thou art seeking these things. And when thou hast compassed all these marvels, thou shalt have my daughter for thy wife. Part three. Part three. Wow. (laughs) Part three, I like to think of the section where Arthur basically gets all this nice to do all this for him. Nice. He's good. He can delegate. (laughs) He does have a little bit of involvement. Man of my own heart. But he does also kind of like just gives up fairly early. So first of all, they they slay Gurnark for the giant. Um, Arthur is barely involved. Why? Then, but okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Why are all these knights helping him? Because Arthur is Kilkuk's cousin. So. You know, blood I don't on. have any cousins, but if I did, and then if they asked me to do some random, horrible tasks for some person that I don't even hardly know. I mean, blood runs thicker, doesn't it? I think I think I think that it means more to them, but I know I know what you mean. I wouldn't do this. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to all my cousins, but I wouldn't do this. To you, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so they slay Gornok the giant, and um, Arthur. They come back to Arthur with this, with the sword, and Arthur's like, "So, which of these marbles will it be best for us to seek first? And I like the idea that, <laughs> that Kay is just like, "What the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I just did one of them. What are you talking about?" Anyway. <laughs> this guy sounds like a bit of a knob. Yeah, well, Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> it will be best, said they, to seek Mabon the son of Modron 
and he will not be found unless we first find Adol, the son of Er, his kinsman. Kinsman. I'm exhausted. Anyway, and I'm just listening. Yeah, <laughs> they went to the castle of Glivy, where they found Adol imprisoned. And um, Glivy, like, as soon as he sees Arthur and his retinue, is just like, whatever, you have him, uh, <laughs> and I'm joining you. <laughs> and then I couldn't tell whether it's Glivy or Adol's followers who say this. Anyway, but they say to Arthur, it's no good to go on these, quote, small adventures, unquote, with such a large host. And Arthur, quote. Arthur, very, yeah, quote, small adventures, end quote. <laughs> And Arthur is just like, clearly doesn't need any convincing. He's just like, yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and he sends, he sends Gorhir, Adol, Kay and Bedouir off to do all the things. Nice. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, if you're king. If you're king, you might as well. Mm-hmm. So they go forward. And um, so this is this is them trying to find Mabon. Um, you might note that this tale is actually compiled in the Mabinogian. Yes. Which is which is a <laughs> which is a compilation of of old Welsh tales that uh, um, that were translated by Lady Charlotte Guest in the nineteenth century. I know this already because Ross trawled eBay for <laughs> what felt like years. <laughs> to, to it was find, only a week <laughs> <laughs> to find a copy. Many of years the, of men. <laughs> anyway. To find a copy of this book. <laughs> um, so. They're trying to find, bear in mind, bear in mind, they're trying to find <laughs> Mabon. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they went forward until they came to the Usul of Kilgury. Usul is a bird. It's like a Usul, Usul. Uh-huh. And Gorhir adjured her for the sake of heaven, saying, Tell me if thou knowest aught of Mabon, the son of Modrum, who was taken when three nights old from between his mother and the wall. What? Yeah, I don't know. And the Usul answered, it's probably context. And the Usul answered, When I first came here, there was a smith's anvil in this place, and I was then a young bird. And from that time... Wait, 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 wait. The bird answered? Yeah. You've got to accept the animals speak in this story. Carry on. (laughs) From that work, no time has been done upon it, save the pecking of my beak every evening. And now there is not so much as the size of a nut remaining thereof. (laughs) Yet the vengeance of heaven be upon me, if during all that time I have ever heard of the man for whom you inquire. Sorry, mate, don't know yeah, him. Don't know him. <laughs> Never seen the guy. Nevertheless, I will do that which is right, and that which it is fitting that I should do for an embassy from Arthur. There is a race of animals who are formed before me, and I will be your guide to them. My God. So they proceeded to the place where was the stag of Redenvir. 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 Oh, come on, there's four consonants in a row there. <laughs> stag of Redenvir. <laughs> Behold, we come to thee in embassy from Arthur, for we have not heard of any animal older than thou. Say, knowest thou aught of Mabon the son of Modron, who was taken from his mother when three nights old? (laughs) The stag said, When I first came hither, there was a plain all around me, without any trees save one oak sapling, which grew up to be an oak with an, an hundred branches. Anyway. So he's very old. Anyway, the stag sends him to an owl, who sends him to an eagle, who sends him to a salmon. What? <laughs> but you can't just brush over that. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> Otherwise we will lose all the all the listeners. We've already lost them. Bold of you to assume yeah. <laughs> that anyone is listening to this. <laughs> so they went thither, and the eagle said, Salmon of Thin Thew. 
I have come to thee with an embassy for Martha. We should really be ha- we should we should have some glasses of wine. <laughs> to ask thee if thou knowest aught concerning Mabin the son of Modron, who was taken away at three nights old from his mother. Bear in mind. We started mind. Off, we they, started so strong. And it's they, just dissolved. Bear in mind, they saw they saw the Usul who saw the stag who sought the owl, who sought the eagle, who sought the salmon, to sink Mabun, oh who is the only person who can control the dog, oh my God. who is needed to catch the boar, who has the comb and the scissors and everything in his hair to cut Isabeth Allen Penkower's beard. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I know, I will tell thee, says the salmon. <laughs> If you're listening, I'm sorry we're giggling so much. (laughs) With every tide, I go along the river upwards until I come near to the walls of Gloucester. And there have I found such wrong as I have never found elsewhere. (laughs) 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 You've got to continue. You've got to continue. And to the end, and to the end that ye may give credence thereto, that one of you go thither upon each of my two shoulders. What? I know. I'm just imagining a salmon <laughs> with like two hench biceps. <laughs> it's like doing front crawl up the river. Oh my god! <laughs> so Kay and Gore here, Golstad Aethod, went upon the two shoulders of the salmon, <laughs> and then they proceeded until they came to the wall of the prison. They heard a great wailing and lamenting from the dungeon. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) They get Mabin. Okay. Oh my god. Upon the shoulders of the fish. Alright. There's... (laughs) There are two... Maybe three more diverse things that I, uh, I'm going to cover and we're going to we're going to fast forward to the end of this tale okay <laughs> because I'm now laughing so hard that the backs of my that the back of my skull hurts oh <laughs> my god <laughs> okay so Kay and Bedway who we've already, already established are quote best friends <laughs> are sat in a beacon can on the summit of Thin Limon the highest wind that ever there was in the world they looked around them and saw a great smoke towards the south, the far off, which did not bend with the wind. Dun, dun, dun. Then said Kay, By the hand of my friend, behold, yonder is the fire of a robber. How? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> then they hastened towards the smoke, and they came so near to it that they could see Dillis Farvok scorching a wild boar. Not talk. Can you imagine? Boy. Can you imagine? If that... I, I was hoping... <laughs> When I read this for the first time, I was like, oh, God, please be talk truth. <laughs> Listeners, it was not talk truth. That's, that's still to come. Behold, yonder is the greatest robber that ever fled from Arthur, said Wedway unto Kay. Dost thou know him? I do know him, answered Kay. He is Dillis Volvoch, and no leash in the world will be able to hold Drudwin, the grub of great... <laughs> they keep saying these extremely, like final mm. like this will never happen without it's literally impossible without this specific object there is no second best here mm. anyway they want to make a leash for to hold 
the cub, the, the dog that Mabon's going to be. Anyway, um, and and no leash in the world will be able to hold him, save a leash made from the beard of him thou what? seest yonder. And even that will be useless unless his beard be plucked alive with wooden tweezers. What? For if dead, it will be brittle. Oh, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> what thinkest thou that we should do concerning this, said Bedwyr, who is clearly this like, that seems kind of mean. <laughs> Let us suffer him, said Kay, to eat as much as he will of the meat, and after that he will fall asleep. And during that time they employed themselves in making the wooden tweezers. <laughs> And oh when Cain knew certainly that he was asleep, he made a pit under his feet, the largest in the world. The largest pit in the world. And he struck him a violent plough and squeezed him into the pit. And there... Uh, what? And there they twitched out his beard completely with the wooden tweezers. Oh and, my God, that's so horrible. And after that, they slew him together. Oh my God. I know, right? This is bananas. Oh, I think that Kay felt guilty about this, which will explain this next bit. I think the K would probably was just like, you know, probably afterwards going like, I feel a little embarrassed because they go to Gellywick in Cornwall, uh, where Arthur is, um, and they give it to Arthur and Arthur composes a little poem about it. Oh my God. K made a leash of Dillus, son of Uri's beard, where he alive, by death he'd be. Nothing what? too offensive in there, right? No. And thereupon Kai was wroth. K was wroth. So that the warriors of the island could scarcely make peace between Kay and Arthur. And thenceforth, neither in Arthur's troubles nor for the slaying of his men would Kay come forward for, to his aid forever after. What? Because he made up a poem about yeah. him. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I've held grudges for stupid reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I've held grudges if someone's looked at me funny. <laughs> that alone made a poem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, said Arthur, which of these marvels is it best for us now to seek? As if... <laughs> it's like, I'm imagining Kay and Bedwyr, they're, like, they're holding the leash. Like, this is the whole reason we... They got Mabon right there. It's like, what should we do now? Like, uh, dude. The boar. My goodness. <laughs> anyway. We need to get the comb from the boar's hair. <laughs> Lots of meandering. Um, really? Yeah, I know, right? I'm shocked. <laughs> and they go over to Ireland. Okay, okay. Um, and um, finds finds uh, Torkshurith. Um, and they, he, Torkshurith has seven young pigs with him. Okay. Apparently, Torkshurith was once a king. Ah, which explains why he has a comb. Yes. Okay. Kings have combs. That makes sense. And God transformed him into a swine for his sins. I see. The way I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it just makes sense. Like, that's not completely <clears throat> bananas. Now, if you remember the different people in the party, there was Gore here, who could speak all the languages. Every single one. Including Pig, apparently. Tries to reason <laughs> with the pigs. <laughs> I will tell you, Arthur comes but to fight for the comb and the razor and the scissors, which are between the two ears of Tor Truth, said Grugin, who is one of the, one of the pigs. Except he first take his life. Sorry. Except he first take his <laughs> life. He will never have those precious things. Listeners, he's holding his nose. <laughs> <laughs> and tomorrow morning we shall rise up hence. And we will go into Arthur's country. And there we will do all the mischief that we can. <laughs> Arthur's country being Wales. 
So they set forth through the sea towards Wales. And Arthur and his hosts, his horses and his dogs, entered Pridwin, that they might encounter them without delay. Without delay? Without delay. So they, they do confront Torktruith, and Torktruith kills a lot of Arthur's companions, including Arthur's son. Well, one of Arthur's four sons. Um, famously, in the later Arthur tales, Arthur doesn't have any sons. Oh. But in this early tale, he has sons. Wow, that does not bode well for the other three. Nope. <laughs> no, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a narrative continuity, though, between this and, you know, uh, the Holy Grail and the Sword in the Stone and all that. I think that's entirely... It seems like a plot hole. Yeah. Um, (laughs) this doesn't fit in the King Arthur cinematic universe at all (laughs) this is not canon (laughs) Um, oddly mentioned someone who dies is uh, Gulladin Sayer Arthur's chief architect apparently for some reason on this on this little quest he seems very (laughs) ill-equipped so eventually they reach the seven and um, it continues and Arthur fell upon him together with the champions of Britain and they seized hold of him, catching him first by his feet, and plunged him in the seven, so that it overwhelmed him. I mean... On the one side, Mavin the son of Modron spurred his steed and snatched his razor from him, and Kuladir, Wilt, Wilt, came up with him on the other side upon another seed and took from him the scissors. But before they could obtain the comb, he had regained the ground with his feet, and from the moment that he reached the shore, neither dog nor man nor horse could overtake him until he came to Cornwall. Yeah. So they go to Cornwall. <laughs> Listeners, I'm sat here speechless. Yes. Utterly speechless. Which at... I don't think anything has ever made this happen before. Yeah. The, uh, so I'm, I'm imagining everyone right now is feeling pretty tired of this long-winded story. <laughs> Thankfully, there's only one page left. Okay. And I can tell that the writer or the person who was originally telling the story who, I mean, it's oral history, but I can tell that the person who wrote this down was also getting rather tired of the story. <laughs> because when they get to Cornwall, it, says, it just says simply, And the trouble which they had met with before was mere play to what they encountered in seeking the comb. But from one difficulty to another, the comb was at length obtained. Oh, good. It just cuts straight through. <laughs> and then he was hunted from Cornwall and driven straight forward into the deep sea. And thenceforth it was never known whither he went. The end. Not quite. Okay. <laughs> then went Arthur together with King Cornwall to anoint himself and to rest from his fatigues. Arthur's fatigues? Yeah. Arthur, He's well, done fuck all. Well, I don't know. He was pretty involved in the hunt for Torch Truth. But he was, but earlier he was basically, but wasn't involved at all. Um, yeah. I mean, Arthur, I feel like is kind of a bit of a, he doesn't come across very well in this tale, I don't think. Um, anyway, they do one more thing, which isn't even worth mentioning, and then they set forward back to Isbethad and Pencower, finally. We got your comb! Yeah, they took the marvels with him to his court, and Cor of North Britain came and shaved his beard, skin, and flesh clean off to the very bone from oh ear to ear. Oh my god! Yeah, shaved Isbethad and Pencower clean. Well, I mean, I think he deserves it. Yeah. Wait for this sick burn from Kilhook. Art thou shaved, man? Said Kilhook. Sick burn. What? (laughs) (laughs) I am shaved, answered he. What? (laughs) (laughs) Is thy daughter mine now? 
She is lying, said he. <laughs> but women, are, women are not property. No, women are women not property. Women are not property. Women are not property. Yes. But therefore, this is Ispeth and Pencower continuing. But therefore, needest thou not thank me, but Arthur, who has accomplished this for thee. I don't know. I think Kay was pretty heavily involved. I reckon and so. And Bedwyr. Uh-huh. And Gorhir Gore and... Everybody else. And Menwu, Menu and Mabon. And anyway. <clears throat> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> by my free will, thou should, shouldest never have had her. But with her, I lose my life. Aww. Then Guru, the son of Kastenin, seized him by the hair of his head and dragged him after him to the keep and cut off his head and placed it on a stake on the citadel. Oh my god! Then they took possession of his castle and of his treasures. And that night Olwen became Kilhook's bride, and she continued to be his wife as long as she lived. And the hosts of Arthur dispersed themselves, each man to his own country. And thus did Kilhook obtain Olwen, the daughter of Isbethad and Pencower. And it could have all been avoided if he'd just had a wank. it's that post wank clarity (laughs) do we really I mean we we got the leash (laughs) is it really worth something else (laughs) (laughs) anyway it was fated to be a great hero wasn't he King Arthur I mean (laughs) And what were your thoughts on how on Kilwick and Olwen? I mean, Kilwick and Olwen. Oh, I have so many thoughts. Um, I hope they're happy. <laughs> <laughs> wow! They really. That was that was that's just a little guide to what uh, Welsh literature was like in the eleventh century. And I've never been more pleased to not live in the eleventh century. Yeah. I mean, that, what were your thoughts? What were my thoughts? I mean, I quite like it. I think it's quite fun. (laughs) Apart from, you know, everyone dying and women being traded like fucking cows. Okay. Yes, that is bad. Those are very, very bad things. But I feel like there's a sense of humour in it that I think you don't find in like Jeffrey and Monmouth or whatever. You don't find in... I think in this there is like, you know, you can tell someone is standing in front of a fire sort of like getting feedback from the crowd and you know deciding kind of like yeah up on the fly it's that whole oral yeah. history what can i say that is going to be even more ridiculous yeah than a talking eagle yeah talking salmon absolutely with really broad shoulders <laughs> swimming arm over arm <laughs> doing front crawl up the river seven yeah <laughs> So I think I quite I think yeah, it's, got so it's weird, but we love it. But I would say that I, having tried to read it, just having tried to read it without <laughs> having notes to explain what's going on, it is frustratingly dense and opaque <laughs> and meandering. And you kind of like get the get the like. I feel like the story is more followable when it doesn't have so many twists and turns. If you can keep keep a goal in mind yeah and i think the fact that, that it's going off on in so many different directions yeah, you forget why they're doing what they're doing and then it comes it does eventually come back thankfully um and uh, in the end i think is you know uh, yeah i i enjoy it um and uh i think that it is a um 
a key, I, I think that it's an important piece of literature, important piece of history. Um, and it tells and it, us a I lot. think it's quite sad that not many people have heard of it. No, I mean, might, people might have heard of the Mabinogion, but even then they might not have heard of that. Mm. But they've definitely heard of Arthur. Well, just the fact that you had to trawl eBay to get a nice <laughs> copy of the Mabinogion. Yeah. For, for what felt like years, but was actually about a week. Yeah. I mean, I really did, I did have to look quite hard to find a copy in Good Nick. And um, I mean, yeah, I think, I think that um, I would say if, you, if you're planning on getting into the Welsh literature, I would say you really do need a, a, a guide to help your way through it. I had a, actually, I, I would kind of half recommend a book. I say half recommend because it has a, a weird, there's one point where the author is a, has a really weird diversion which I'm not going to get into right now. But anyway, <laughs> the rest of the book is quite good. And it covers this chapter extensively. Um, and it's called uh, The Celtic Ship, uh, The Celtic Myths That Shape the Way We Think uh, by Mark Williams. And that released last year or this year. So that's well worth a read uh, if you are interested in more of this stuff. So yeah, those are my thoughts. I feel like I'm meandering to a degree that's... Uh, not to the same degree. Not babe. to the same degree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much, everyone. If you've made it this far, um, I hope you enjoyed hearing about Colwick and Norwin. <laughs> thank you very much. And yeah, do get in touch. Um, you can find us both on Instagram. Yeah. Um, just... Yeah, get in touch if you have any thoughts, any feedback. If you have any public domain literature you'd like us to read and have bants about, yeah. then... Uh... Hopefully you'll join us next time. Yeah.